welcome to the JMP Cast. I'm your host, Josiah Michael Pyatt. This podcast is centered around the question what does it look like to live in our identity in Christ and to actively participate in the Father's kingdom that's in our midst? On today's episode, we look at Paul's final remarks in this letter that he wrote to the church in Colossae. While we're here, we made it. We are looking at the final remarks that Paul wrote to this church in Colossae. There's two things that I want us to pay attention to as we finish off this letter. The first is, are there going to be things that Paul reminds this church of that he's already said within this letter? And the second is, is there anything new that Paul is going to bring to the surface in his final remarks? Before we get into this, let's pray. Father, thank you for this letter. Thank you for this time that we've been able to have together to explore your word, to go deeper in our relationship with you. Father, I, I ask and I pray that this would have been a time. Father, I thank you for the ways that we've been able to grow in our knowing and our showing. Lord, thank you for this intentional invitation that you consistently pour out onto us. You offer to us freely and through your grace, you give us power. You give us power to obey. You give us power to display. You give us power to love the way that you love us. Father, you are so patient and you are so kind. And Jesus, I just ask that you would just give us ears to hear the words of Paul once again. Thank you for the ways that you've shown up and thank you for the ways that you're going to continue to. Lord, we're listening today. We give you this time. We love you, Father. Amen. So today we're going to be reading Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6, and this is the English Standard Version. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mysteries of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Paul begins his final remarks by encouraging this church to continually keep the communication and open dialogue between them and the Father of all things. If we're going to grow and know and show We are going to have to communicate with the Father steadfastly, consistently, regardless of how we're feeling, regardless of how we're thinking, regardless of the circumstances that are going on in our lives, we are to be steadfast in prayer. Now, this doesn't mean that part of our prayers is going to be processing. If anything, that that actually tells us that it's okay to process. We're going to process with Jesus. But prayer is more than just speaking. It's listening. It's engaging. You know, we can go our days and we can talk about Jesus and we can even sing to Jesus, but we can actually not have a real relationship with Jesus. Prayer is the place where we have communion with God. Of course, we can have communion with God in other ways, but what I'm trying to say is that there are many people, there are many followers of Jesus that don't have an open dialogue with the Father throughout their days. And that's so sad to me. That's the equivalent of saying, I'm going to live my life, but I'm never going to take a breath. It's like, we'll see how far you'll go with that. You can't go anywhere. You need to be able to breathe. 
And in the same way as a follower of Jesus, we need to be praying consistently. This is not a burden. This is a blessing. Because of what it's telling us is that the Father, as we've seen throughout this entire letter, the Father wants to intimately and intentionally reveal himself through the circumstances and the situations of our life. The question is not if he's there. The question is if we're looking for him. And this goes directly right into what Paul says next. He says, be watchful. Paul says, be steadfast in prayer and be watchful. We need to watch out. We need to stay awake. We need to be mindful of the things that we are looking at. We need to be mindful of how we are perceiving ourselves and others around us. Be watchful of the advice that you're listening to from other Christians and other people. There will be people that come into your life and give you plausible arguments on why you being in Christ is not possible. Be watchful. Don't get caught up in the ways that culture, religion, philosophies of the day will promise to fulfill you in a way that only Christ can. Be watchful. There will be things you need to put to death in you and things that you need to put on as the new creation in Christ. Be watchful. The word of Christ is to dwell in us and his kingdom will not magically appear in our life. We have to actively seek it and be mindful of it. We need to be people of the text, people of the word, people of Christ. Be watchful. How we treat our spouse, our children, the people we work with, our bosses, and our neighbors matters to God. Be watchful. And then Paul says, be thankful. Jesus Christ has loved us deeply. Jesus Christ loves us deeply, and he has paid for us to be transformed into this glorious light. He has invited us to participate in his kingdom as children. We are not orphans. We are family. We have been delivered, set apart, holy, blameless, and above reproach. We have been chosen. We are beloved. We don't work towards something, but everything we do is out of response of what he has already done for us. He is good. And then Paul says this next line, he says, At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mysteries of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. We don't open the doors, our Father does. We are to pay attention through prayer and through thanksgiving, and through showing up in the places where Christ and his kingdom is. This is a journey. This is not a destination. Even Paul, the great apostle who wrote a lot of the New Testament, he is praying and asking people to pray for him for doors to be open. Paul did not have the authority to open doors. He knew it was Christ and Christ alone who would open the doors. But he knows that when a door is open, it still takes courage to walk through it. And so he was asking this church, to pray for him for courage to walk through the doors as Jesus opens those doors. It's okay to have feelings of fear and doubt. That's normal. But it's what we do with these fears and what we do with these doubts. That's where it really matters. Through the Holy Spirit, we have the power to press through and to press into the things that the Father wants us to do. It does not mean that we are fearless children. That is not true. Fear is not the issue here. 
It's what we do with it. And so maybe you're listening to this today and you've been praying for God to show up in new ways, in fresh ways, and there's doors that are opening in your life, whether it be through conversations, through your workplace, through your neighborhood, through social media, who knows? There might be all sorts of doors that are opening in your life and now you see that this door is open. It's something you've been praying for, but there's fear in you. There's anxiety. What if it doesn't work? What if I fail? What if I'm misunderstood? What if I'm rejected? You do not have to submit to those fears. Those fears do not disqualify you from being able to walk through those doors. You are a son. You are a daughter. He loves you. Your identity will never be in what doors you walk through. Your identity is in something so much deeper. You know, I was having a conversation with a fellow brother the other day, and we were talking about this whole idea of like changing the world. And if you really think about it, we're not going to change the world as Christians. I know like that might be offensive to say, but think about this. How many people are in this world? There's billions of people. So even if you and I had an effect or an impact on a million people, that's still peanuts in comparison to the billions of people that live on this earth. But when you think about what Christ Jesus has done on the cross and the impact and the significance for all of eternity, for all people, billions and billions of people, that is changing the world. You and I don't have to carry that burden. The Father already carried it through the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. So there is a freedom that we can have through our insignificance. It sounds weird, but it's true. You see, what you and I have the opportunity to do is participate. We aren't the initiators. And we're not even the ones who get to make the fruit happen. We throw seeds, we water, we cultivate, but the Father is the one who brings the fruit. I don't know what kind of upbringing you had and whether or not you were in the Christian community, but for me, I grew up in the Christian community and when I gave my life to Jesus, there was a pressure for me to change the world that was unnecessary. It was unnecessary. Because our hope and our significance cannot be in what happens on this side of things. Our hope and our significance has to be rested, anchored, secured in who Jesus is, period. He is the King. He is the Lord. He is the elected one, not us. He loves us. He delights in us. He has forgiven us. He is intentional with us. But don't get this twisted. You are not the savior of your story. And you are not the savior of your neighborhood, of your city, or of the influence that God has trusted you with. You're not. And there's freedom in that. Because those things can't define you then. And the question that we need to ask is not how are people responding. The question we need to ask is how does a father feel about the things that we are doing? We don't work towards the approval of man. So in verse 5, Paul says, Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of our time. Let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Now this is super interesting to me. We have gone through this letter, I believe 19 weeks now. And Paul now, after all of this information, after all of this revelation, this is the place near the final remarks where he's going to talk about people who aren't Christians. Think about the implications of what does that mean for us today. Paul is saying it is way more important for you and I as followers of Jesus 
to get secure in ourselves, in our knowing, in our growing, and in our showing in Christ before we interact with those around us. Now, this doesn't mean that those interactions aren't going to come our way. Of course they are. That's what he's saying. But he's also saying to us that our knowing and growing and showing have a direct result on other people being able to be open to hearing about Jesus. It matters. How you treat your spouse matters. How you treat your family matters. How you are an employee at work matters. I know that might sound obvious, but some of us need to really sink into what that means. You can be the best evangelist, but if you treat your family like crap, it means nothing. It means nothing. And what's also interesting about what he's saying, he's saying, be gracious, seasoned with salt, be wise. This is not Paul saying, get in every argument. This is not Paul saying, you need to prove yourself. You need to make sure the other person that's not a Christian knows you're right. No. In fact, when Paul says seasoned with salt, it's important to note that in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, whenever salt is brought up, it is always in reference to the covenant that God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the descendants. That's you and me as well because we're in Christ. So another way of understanding this teaching or how we can understand it more fully is Paul is saying when you're interacting with those who are not Christians, first off, be open to questions. Be listening to their hearts, listening to what they're saying. Be gentle, be kind, but interact in such a way that you reflect that you are in the covenant. In other words, be secure in who you are. You don't have to prove yourself. You don't have to defend Jesus. He is much bigger and much smarter and much greater than you'll ever be. He's very capable of proving himself. So when you're in those conversations, you don't need to feel like you have to convince someone of anything. You know who you are in him. Be seasoned with salt. Be secure in who you are in the covenant. So Paul, in these final remarks, he reminds us of this truth that we are to be steadfast in prayer, that we are to be watchful of the things that we're speaking, of the things that we're looking at, the things that we're participating in. He also reminds us that it's important for us to pray for doors to be open because they're not going to open magically. We need to intercede. We need to partner with, in God, in prayer, with others that doors would be open for the kingdom to be revealed, for opportunities for us to display the gospel, for us to invite others in. This isn't going to happen without the blessing of the Father, without the Father opening the door. So we need to intercede. We need to take this serious, that we pray that the Father open doors for the words of the mystery of Christ to be declared. We need to pray for wisdom. We need to pray for opportunities for us to be seasoned with salt in our responses and in the conversations that we have with others about Jesus. Remember, this letter was written to the everyday follower of Jesus. And so Paul has an expectation then on every follower of Jesus that we are to be wise and we are to be gentle and kind and ready and willing to have conversations with those around us about what it means to follow Jesus, about this invitation that we have said yes to. So in conclusion, I think that Paul, in his final remarks to us, he's reminding us of the truth that we've heard, that we are sons and daughters, that we've been transferred in. He's reminding us that this doesn't just happen overnight, but we have to consistently pray. We have to be in communication with the Father. We actually have the opportunity to have a relationship, a dialogue 
in ongoing discussion with the Father of all things. We have an opportunity to see doors open in the conversations and with the relationships that we have around us. And the Father is inviting us to partner in to those doors opening through our prayers. The Father does something through the prayers of His people. He moves. And we are to be open and looking to having conversations about this relationship that we have with Jesus with others. And when we have these conversations, we are to be gentle and kind and listening. We are to be those who are marked with the covenant. We do not have to go into these conversations insecurely. We do not have to go into these conversations trying to prove ourselves or make ourselves feel more secure. No, we go in as sons and daughters. It is Christ who beckons his children. It is not us. We get to participate for sure, but it is not our doing. It is his, and it is a privilege. Father, we say yes to this invitation today. Lord, we thank you that you care. You care about us individually, but you care about us as a group, and you care about the neighborhoods and the cities and the families and the workplaces that we find ourselves in. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your intentionality. Jesus, we say yes to this invitation today. We say yes to this invitation to know you more, to grow deeper in you, to know you. We say yes to this invitation to have an open dialogue with you. Father, we're sorry for the ways that we've cut our communication with you. You know, we can read things, we can listen to things, we can look at things that are about you without even talking to you. And that's just not how you've designed us to be. So Father, we thank you that we have an opportunity to have this open dialogue with you. Lord, I ask right now for every person that is listening to this episode, Lord, I ask that you would open doors in their life for your mysteries to be declared and for your mysteries to be displayed. Father, I'm asking that you would open up conversations with our neighbors, with our coworkers, with our family members, with our children, with our spouses, with our grandparents. Lord, I ask that you would open up dialogue that we could have with others about this relationship that we have with you. Father, thank you that our knowing and our growing and our showing brings glory and honor to you. Father, that's what we desire. That's what we want. We want our lives to declare and display your glory. Father, that when people see us, they would see you, a glimpse of you, Lord. Thank you for this invitation. Thank you for this intentionality. Thank you for your goodness, Jesus. We say yes to it today. Amen. Well, thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you found encouragement as we looked at Paul's final remarks to this church in Colossae. Well, if you've been following along with us, we have one more episode to go in this letter. So if you're looking to stay connected, you can follow us at the JMP Cast on Instagram or Facebook. I hope you'll consider to continue to join me as we ask this question, what does it look like to live in our identity in Christ and to actively participate in the Father's kingdom that's in our midst? Have a great day.